everybody, and welcome back to episode 30 of the Sunset Single Player Podcast. As always, it's your host, Michael Lamaro. Thanks so much for joining me today. Really exciting that we made it to 30 episodes. I know we're still fairly early in the life of the show, but still really, really appreciate all you guys out there for stopping by each and every week to hear me chat games. And there is a lot of news to get into this week, which is exciting. I know the last like month or so, it's been really slow, and there hasn't been much to go over in terms of news, but I'm happy to say that that's changed today. We do have like nine or 10 news items to go into this week, which is really exciting. But before we get into that, I do want to mention that I was recently lucky enough to be a guest on the Wait For It podcast and the series that they do called The Game Room Where It Happens. And I did link the description of this episode in the show notes today for this episode. And The Game Room Where It Happens is a video game podcast hosted by Eric the Almighty and Phil the Filipino. These two gentlemen are from Jacksonville, Florida, and they invited me to be on their show. It was a lot of fun. We chatted for over an hour about PlayStation exclusives and what we like about them, what our favorites are, and a little bit about the future of PlayStation as well. If you guys would like to check it out, it was really fun to collaborate with those guys, and I hope you guys enjoy it and stop on over. Again, I linked in the description of the episode today the link to that episode where I was a guest on. Really, really fun to do. And before we get into the news, I also want to mention that I'm still playing through and plugging through Demon Souls Remake. It is a longer game for me, as it is my first time through it, like I've mentioned. And I'm really loving the game. I just took down the Man Eaters, which are a really scary set of gargoyle bosses in the game and i read online that they're probably the second hardest boss fight in the game after the flame lurker which i already took down so i'm happy to say now that i'm feeling pretty confident i can make my way through and complete this game i heard the final boss is tough but i'm proud of myself for sticking through with it and just improving a lot i was definitely really bad at this game at the beginning but i think i've definitely improved over time which is exciting and i do have a new youtube video up all about the Maneater fight and my guide on how to take them down. And I have four other Demon Souls remake boss guides up on my YouTube channel if you'd like to check them out as well. And even if you don't play the Demon Souls remake, even though they're guide videos, I still think they're worth checking out if you're interested in seeing what this game's all about. I think they're really cool videos and a lot of the bosses have just really unique designs that really stand out to me and aren't really things that you find in a lot of other games. I do think that these Souls games and Sekiro included and Bloodborne just have really cool enemy and boss designs that factor into the gameplay as well. So if you're interested, just stop on over by the YouTube channel and check those videos out. And pretty soon, once I'm through with my Demon Souls playthrough and a few more Demon Souls videos coming, I am going to focus in on other games on the YouTube channel. So I do appreciate everyone's patience for hanging in with me. If you're not a Demon Souls fan, I just really wanted to make the channel all about Demon Souls for a little bit, but I'm happy to say that now that my playthrough is winding down to its end, I just have a few more bosses to take down. After that, we will focus in on other games, probably Crash Bandicoot 4 and God of War to start, but we'll just have to see there. I might even pick up Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. It's only $23 right now, and a little bit later in the episode, I'll let you guys know why I'm interested in that game all of a sudden, even though it came out over a year ago. So we'll get into that in a little bit in the episode. But back to Demon Souls real quick, right before we get into the news for the week. I have to say, the game's amazing. I do feel like I am really glad I played this instead of Cyberpunk. I know I probably said that last week, but I am glad that I'm going to wait until later for Cyberpunk and then I'm focusing in on Demon's Souls now because 
the Demon Souls remake now is just a really polished and exceptional experience that does really feel next gen in terms of the visuals and the frame rate and the boss designs. It definitely does feel like a next gen PS5 game. So I'm really glad that I went this route and decided to play this amazing game rather than play an unfinished version of Cyberpunk. And I'm not sure if we reported on this last week. I don't have it written up in the show today, but I do want to mention that the Cyberpunk next-gen patch has been delayed to the second half of 2021, so Q3 at the earliest, and of course this would be the patch incoming for PS5 and Xbox Series S and Series X, because currently you can only play the PS4 version on the next-gen consoles, and the Xbox One version, I should say, if you're going the Xbox route. So we do have a while to wait to get into Cyberpunk, at least the next-gen version, and I do think I'm just going to be patient and wait until the second half of this year to dive into that game. I really would rather just play it in all of its glory and play the version that's as similar to the PC version as we can get. And I do think that when it's all said and done, these next-gen versions of Cyberpunk will be really, really impressive. In terms of what else I'd like to play soon, I do want to mention that I did start Sackboy a big adventure with my girlfriend Gabby. We've been playing co-op. We've probably only played like two hours so far. We've played like 30 minutes each night over the past couple nights. She just likes doing a couple levels at a time and I do think we're both really enjoying the game so far. I definitely am having a lot of fun with it and her being someone that doesn't play a lot of games I think it's something that she was able to pick up really quickly and kind of just understand the controls and how the game works there's really good platforming sections and even a little bit of puzzles so far but again I don't want to give my full impressions yet I am just a couple hours into the game I'd imagine that once we put some more time in I'll have more to say about that in the coming weeks in terms of Sackboy Big Adventure, but I definitely do see what all of the positivity surrounding the game is about. Like I mentioned last week, the game does have like a 91 user score on Metacritic, so really, really high. So I'm glad to see that people are enjoying it, and I'm excited to get further into it once I'm done with Demon Souls and once I decide to continue my playthrough with Gabby as well. Before we get into the news this week, I do just want to mention that it's really exciting that things are starting to pick up. It was a little bit dull for a while in the industry, quite frankly, quite negative. I feel like a lot of the news and hubbub in the industry over the last month was just on the launch of Cyberpunk and the negativity surrounding that. So I'm happy to report that this week there's a lot more uplifting news and exciting news stories that hopefully will have you guys as excited as I am. Number one is that we do learn very recently that a brand new Indiana Jones game is coming from Machine Games. And Machine Games, as you guys might know, is based in Uppsala, Sweden, and they are a Bethesda-owned studio, and now technically a Microsoft-owned studio, responsible for the Wolfenstein first-person shooter games. So website TheVerge.com reported that the new Indiana Jones game will be developed by Machine Games, and Bethesda boss Todd Howard will be serving as an executive producer for the game. And so far, all we really know about this new Indiana Jones game is that it will tell a wholly original standalone tale set at the height of the career of the famous adventurer. So with this tidbit, we do know that He will be an adult. He's not going to be a kid or a teen or anything like that. He'll be at the height of his career, which I do think is smart of them to go that route. You don't really want a slow start to a game like this. I do think that they're going to want to come out of the gates hot and swinging with a really tight and hopefully linear focused Indiana Jones game, similar in vain to Uncharted. We'll get to that in a little bit. So over at Machine Games, they also released a very short teaser video that hints that the game or at least part of the game will take place in Rome, which is interesting in Italy which I wasn't necessarily expecting for a game like this. And at this point in time, we don't have a full title on the game. 
and we also don't know if it will be coming to platforms other than Xbox. They didn't make it clear whether it was an Xbox exclusive or not. Overall, my thoughts on this, we don't have a lot to go off of, but very early on in this announcement process, I do think that this is really exciting, especially if you're an Xbox fan. I really think they're gearing up big time, not only with their studios like The Initiative and the new Perfect Dark game or their Fable game, the investment in a new Fable and Halo Infinite, but I do think that finally it does seem like Xbox has their answer to Uncharted, which is really funny because Indiana Jones definitely inspired Uncharted a lot. The puzzles and the adventure aspects and the action in the Uncharted series is definitely inspired by Indiana Jones. And I do think that unlike other Bethesda-owned games that are coming, like Elder Scrolls 6 and Starfield, I do think that this Indiana Jones game will be exclusive. So let me make that clear. I don't think Starfield and Elder Scrolls 6 will be Xbox exclusive. I think they'll be coming to PlayStation just to take advantage of that install base and just be a little bit more catered to all players, unlike Xbox players. But I do think that this Indiana Jones game is more likely to be exclusive since PlayStation does already have Uncharted. And this game isn't as widespread as something like Elder Scrolls which will make more people want to play. I do think they would be smart to make this game exclusive as it would be a really enticing title to jump into the Xbox. And personally, I don't really have an interest in getting an Xbox Series X now, but I definitely do in the future once these investments start to pay off and once we are able to get titles like Fable and Halo and Perfect Dark and now the Indiana Jones game. So if the Indiana Jones game isn't available on PlayStation, I would definitely want to pick up an Xbox probably just for this game alone. Uncharted is one of my favorite series of all time and I do think that getting an adventure-based Indiana Jones game that inspired Uncharted on a next-gen console would be really, really exciting. I just hope they get the story right, and I hope they put the level of polish into it that we're used to from a game and series like Uncharted. Obviously, we'll report more on this as we receive more information on it. I did just want to give you guys a little bit of an update. What we know so far about the Indiana Jones game, Machine Games is working on this, and although they are a first-person shooter studio primarily with their Wolfenstein games, I don't think that this game will be a first-person shooter. I do think that this Indiana Jones game will be a third-person action-adventure shooter game, just like Uncharted was before it, but first-person will be cool too since that is where their skill set and their talents lie so we'll just have to wait and see but if they do decide to go the third person route and depart from their first person shooter roots i do have confidence in them due to the fact that other quality and previously known fps studios were also able to make good transitions into third person action games and some good examples of this are horizon by gorilla who previously did killzone and then also respawn the ea owned studio that did titanfall and apex legends and then actually released star wars jedi fallen order both horizon and star wars jedi fallen order were both received very well i platinumed horizon and loved the game and i'd like to get into star wars jedi fallen order soon as well so now that we've touched on this it's funny that all of this is sort of coming together at the same time because we do have more news to come in the episode both on Killzone and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order that I'll get into shortly. And finally before we move on I do think that this Indiana Jones game will be a holiday 2022 game or maybe spring of 2023. I do think that it's probably a little bit earlier in development. I really don't think we'll see it this year. I think they just wanted to start this year on a bang and let everyone know that Xbox is really gearing up to compete with Sony in this next generation of games, which I think is great. I do think this higher level of competition is great for everybody, no matter where you play. I do think it's going to lead to many great games that are going to drive people to different platforms. Number two, 
We learn that there's a new open-world Star Wars game in development from Ubisoft-owned studio Massive based in Malmö, Sweden. So Massive is responsible for the Division line of games, the shooter games, which I've never played, but I've heard they're really, really good. So website Eurogamer.net reports that Massive Entertainment has begun its work on a new Star Wars open-world game. And this announcement does mark the end of Disney and EA's 10-year exclusivity deal for AAA Star Wars games. So we learn from Disney Games's executive Sean Shopta, who says, quote, EA has been and will continue to be a very strategic and important partner for us now and moving forward, but we did feel that there is more room for others. So at this time, we don't know too much about the game. It's very interesting that another shooter studio is making a new Star Wars game, just like how Respawn made Jedi Fallen Order. And I do think it's great that Ubisoft is getting involved with this IP, just as EA has been the last better part of a decade nearly. I do think that more competition in Star Wars games will lead to better end products and I do think that we're likely to get a sequel already to Jedi Fallen Order from EA and Respawn. Again I haven't played the first game yet but I've read online that based on how that game ends they do think that it's set up for a sequel. And I do think an open world Star Wars game from Ubisoft sounds pretty cool. It sounds like there's room for both of these companies to work on this franchise and I do think that more output will lead to better products. So maybe if EA Maybe if their next game isn't that great, maybe Ubisoft can step in and, and make an even better game, which will motivate EA to make an even better game for their next one. I do think that this competition and back and forth will be good for Star Wars fans and especially Star Wars game players. And that does lead me into my next point that I did want to mention, which is that Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order did receive a next-gen patch for PS5 and the next-gen Xbox consoles. And the patch is live now. And this definitely makes me want to try the game soon. It's only $23 now on the PlayStation Store, which I think might be a good price point for me to jump in a little bit late to the party. I think the game came out in November of 2019. So it's over a year old now and pretty severely discounted, which is exciting. So website GameSpot.com did report that Respawn and EA's game Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order has received a next-gen patch for PS5 and Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S. The patch is available now and improves the game's frame rate and its resolution as well. Interestingly, the Xbox Series X versions have performance and normal modes to choose from while the ps5 does not it just has one option on the ps5 so first we'll go into the specs on the xbox side of things and on the xbox series x's performance mode the frame rate of the game has improved to 60 fps and dynamic resolution will be in the range of 1080p to 1440p and the xbox series x's normal mode the game will be in 4K with additional resolution in the ranges of 1512p to 2160p. Xbox Series S on the other hand gets a frame rate increase alone to 60fps and this is where it gets interesting so we kind of already knew that Xbox Series S wouldn't be getting 4K bells and whistles since it isn't a 4K console. I think the specs for the Xbox Series S allow up to 1440p at 60fps, but not native 4K. But the PS5 as a console does allow native 4K, so this is where it gets interesting. We learned that PS5 in the patch for this game and the patch for Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order has an increase in frame rate to 60 frames per second with post-processing boosted to 1440p resolution. So interestingly, it does not seem like this game will be at native 4K on PS5, which is a little bit confusing because you would think that since the system can support it and they're able to do it on Xbox, they would do it on PlayStation as well. I'm not sure if they ran into any issues with the PS5 architecture or if they just chose not to do 4K for whatever reason. 
It just seems a little bit weird and inconsistent that the Xbox Series X version does do 4K, but the PS5 version for this game does not do native 4K. So maybe we'll see further information come down the line on why that might be. I tried to dig into it a little bit and couldn't find much, but as Demon's Souls has proved to me on PS5, 1440p at 60fps is still a really amazing experience and nothing to complain about. I do think that that game runs and looks amazing at the 1440p 60 frames per second specs that it does have in the performance option. I know in resolution, I think you can bump that resolution up a bit in the Demon's Souls remake. But my whole playthrough has been at 60 FPS just because of the combat experience. I do want that smoother, faster frame rate. So again, interesting that it won't be at 4K on PS5, but I'm definitely interested in checking this game out at some point now that it's cheaper and the PS5 patch is out. And I do think that being patient with this one and not really getting to it on time is actually beneficial to me because now I'll get to experience a superior version of the game as to what was initially realized on the PS4 in 2019 when it was initially launched. Number three, and this is where things get really interesting. So not only are there already two huge news items related to new Indiana Jones games and new restructuring for Star Wars types of games with Ubisoft working on a Star Wars game, but we also got a third major piece of news in that we learned more information on the mysterious Sony San Diego studio. So we learned in an article from IGN.com that the new Sony San Diego studio is focused on expanding upon PlayStation existing franchises. So Michael Mumbayer, who worked at PlayStation as studio head until November 2020, noted on his LinkedIn profile that his most recent achievement is building a brand new all-star AAA action-adventure development team for PlayStation in San Diego. The team was created to focus on expanding existing franchises while creating new stories for the next generation on PlayStation 5 which to me is very, very exciting, and we'll get into why that is in a moment. So again, the main rumor that I've reported on for a couple weeks now, I think we last touched upon it about a month ago, is that the first game this unnamed San Diego Sony team is working on is a new Uncharted game, but there is more to this now. So in the featured section of Michael Mumbai's LinkedIn profile, there's a video from YouTuber Robin Gaming pinned, where this YouTuber Robin Gaming talks a bit about how Sony is secretly creating a studio to make Uncharted 5. And there was no official confirmation, obviously, that this is actually what they're working on, but the fact that this was pinned on his profile is very interesting. There's a chance he could just be like trolling people and this isn't what they're working on, but all signs seem to report and point to an Uncharted 5 in development at the studio. And just based on the description and the goals of the studio, it does make sense. So again, the main thing to take away here is that this new Sony San Diego-based studio, which again, important to note, is separate from Sony San Diego, which works on the MLB The Show games. This studio is focused on expanding upon PlayStation existing franchises with new entries. So of course, Uncharted is a major PlayStation existing franchise so it would make sense that they'd be working on a new entry for the series which frees up Naughty Dog's time to work on Last of Us 3 or a new IP or whatever it is they want to do. So my overall opinion on this is that it's awesome. I love the idea of having Sony owning a first party team in San Diego that is entirely focused on making new entries to beloved older franchises while allowing the existing creators of those franchises to work on other games and freeze up their time that way. And I would love to see an Uncharted 5 announcement. I think it would be really, really exciting. And knowing Sony, I bet they have a lot of talent and want to make sure they're doing their loved franchises right. And it is risky to take these franchises away from the initial developers to give them to a new studio that 
doesn't have much of a track record. But again, if they're putting all this time into hiring and training talent at the studio and also seemingly taking people from the existing studios to work on these games, it does seem like some Naughty Dog employees went to this new mysterious studio. It is risky, but at the same time, I think that they're preparing for it in the right way. And I do think that this is a risk that is worth taking to allow the existing studios to work on new series that we've come to love and also opens up the gates for the potential for many new IPs if you have the studio in place that's working on existing franchises and new entries to them. So I do think that this announcement in conjunction with potential acquisition of Bluepoint that's definitely in the rumor mill with appropriate hiring and scaling could give us both old remakes from Bluepoint and also new entries in game worlds that we already love so much through this San Diego-based studio. If the acquisition of Bluepoint does in fact become a reality, I do think that this would be a really great knockout one-two punch as PlayStation players just having this type of support and place for not only remaking old games we love that maybe don't hold up as great as they do now through Bluepoint, but also getting new entries to franchises that we love from the San Diego studio. So really, really exciting stuff here, guys. And of course, I'll report more on this when we finally hear about it. I'm hoping that Uncharted 5 is announced this year. That would be so exciting if we got like an Uncharted game in 2022 alongside the next Spider-Man or something like that. I think that would be a really incredible year for PlayStation. But again, we'll just have to wait and see what happens there. Number four, The Last of Us TV series lands a new director for its pilot episode. So we learn in an article from GamesRadar.com that originally HBO's Chernobyl director, Johan Renk, was supposed to originally direct the pilot of The Last of Us show on HBO. However, he had to step away due to a scheduling conflict. Now instead, we learn that we have Russian filmmaker Kantemir Balagov set to direct the pilot of the new show. Neil Druckmann took to Twitter, who's also heavily involved in the writing and creative process for The Last of Us HBO series, to say that Kantemir is a brilliant director who shares our love for Last of Us. It's also important to remember that the Chernobyl creator Craig Mazin is still expected to write and direct the HBO series alongside Neil Druckmann. In the new Last of Us HBO series, is said to enhance the original story and not change or detract from it. So it does seem like it's going to be mostly focused on the first game, at least that's what all signs are pointing to, and kind of just fleshing out that story. It would be awesome to get some of Jules' background, maybe with Tess, before Ellie comes into the mix. I do think that this is my most anticipated show by far, and I'm a little bit nervous. I don't know how PlayStation's going to do with TV. It does seem like something that they're really heavily focused on investing more in in the future. And I do think that starting right out of the gate with an HBO Last of Us series is awesome and really, really exciting. And normally most of the content I've seen on HBO is of a really high quality. And I imagine they're putting a ton of investment and time into this. I mean, they're taking Neil Druckmann away from Naughty Dog to work on this. So I'm not worried about it per se. I'm just really, really interested in seeing what they're doing. And I just really hope it's good. I do hope it enhances the series and the game. And I do think it's cool that a series like this could get people into the game that otherwise wouldn't play it. Because if you can introduce people through a really violent and mature Last of Us HBO series into the games, I do think that it's not only a smart business decision, but you're also introducing just a really quality game content to people that otherwise would have missed it completely, which I'm always really, really happy to see. And I do think that fall 2021 would be amazing 
for the series to be ready and launch. But I do think due to COVID and complications going on with that, unfortunately, I think we're going to have to wait until 2022. But again, we don't have confirmation of even a release window. So we'll just have to wait and see. And of course, when we find out more information on this upcoming HBO series, I'll be the first one to report on it for you guys. Number five, and this is a pretty big one. And we learned that Returnal, which is the new second party game coming to PS5 from Housemark, the Finnish developer that I've covered a lot in the past on the podcast here, gets a major new combat and weapon detail update. So Harry Kruger, who is the creative director of Housemark, took to the PlayStation blog to give us some new updates updates on Returnal, which launches on PS5 on March 19th. And again, I just want to reiterate, I'm really, really excited for this game. And you guys should check out the latest gameplay trailer if you haven't already. They did just drop a new trailer that's looking really, really impressive, really fast paced and violent and just beautiful on the new hardware. It really is shaping up to be something special in my opinion. So Kruger does state, quote, with Returnal, we aim to blend a unique mix of game styles. The gameplay combines our trademark explosive action found in our older games with responsive controls and bullet hell gameplay, this time all presented to us in third person. So he does go on to elaborate on this. He says that the combat is really fast and kinetic. There's very intense gunplay in a third person point of view, but in addition to gunplay and a major combat focus, there's also going to be exploration and traversal as you explore a procedurally generated environment of the planet of Atropos. And Atropos is the planet that Selene crash lands on. You might remember from previous trailers. Kruger also reiterates that the game is set to be a challenging and rewarding experience, which makes sense since we've heard prior that they are shooting for a roguelike type of aspect to this one. So we also learned that the playable character Selene, who is a female astronaut essentially, will have many weapons and devices to use to survive on this hostile alien planet of Atropos. So from a weapons perspective, we learned that there are base weapons in the game that can be modified as you play, and one of these weapons is called the Spit Mod blaster that starts as a shotgun but then you can gain exploding shells or acidic shells later on to kind of enhance the weapon and craft your own play style and each run through the planet of Atropos and each weapon is also said to have an alternate fire mode that can range from electrical impulses to tentacles and much more so tentacles definitely sounds like alien like and scary so I think that might be one that I go for just to get that just alien aesthetic and vibe. I think it's sweet that we're getting a game like this in just a couple months that's set in outer space and a new planet a lot of us don't know a lot about and just a really intense third person shooting looking experience. I'm really, really excited for it. But back to the alternate fire, we do learn that this alternate fire option will be achieved in unique ways with the adaptive triggers on PS5 to give various firing options. Kruger from Housemark also relays that there are 10 base weapons in the game with more than 90 weapon traits each of which has three levels that I believe can be upgraded. Then there are also 10 alternate fire modes with many, many combinations you can try out on your journey. So it does sound like each time you die, you come back into this planet with a bunch of different weapon options that you can kind of create your own build and mix up every time. And we also learned that Selene can only hold one weapon at a time. So your choice is very, very important depending on what section of the planet of Atropos you're on because different enemies and environmental traps in certain areas can lead to different challenges and certain weapons have different advantages in certain situations than others. And the next section here is something that I was really curious about learning more about and I do think that Housemark did a pretty good job of explaining it and this relates to how you make progress through the game because we did learn that it was 
kind of a third person roguelike. They go into it here and I'll do my best to explain it to the best of my ability and my knowledge of what progression in this game is going to look like. So in this PlayStation blog article, we learned that each death sends Selene to the beginning of a time loop right before crash landing on Atropos. And most abilities and items collected on previous runs in the game are lost. However, with this being said, some items still persist across cycles of death, which means that you will make progress each time you die and not lose everything, which is good. So one element that stays with you even after death is called CTHONOS, Kathanos, maybe it's called. Kathanos is an alien device that generates a random item at the beginning of each death cycle. And this Kathanos device tracks performance and can reward you with a brand new item for immediate use that can be added permanently to your arsenal from there on out. And finally, we do learn that there's a risk and reward element to the game through certain items, which are called parasites. And these parasites have both positive and negative side effects. So for example, one situation and scenario they gave is that a certain parasite can regenerate your health slowly while your health is low, but unfortunately it also causes enemies to leave behind acidic explosions upon their death that can be dangerous, so you definitely have to stay on your toes and avoid those kinetic explosions to stay alive if you equip that parasite. That's kind of all they went into at this point in time. Returnal is looking to be a really, really fast-paced, great-looking game, and I do think that if they get the shooting mechanics right and it just feels fun to play, I do think that we have something really special on our hands here, and hopefully the start of something great for PS5 to start the year. I know that Ratchet & Clank probably isn't due until April or May. If I had to guess, it's probably going to be an April launch, maybe May at the latest, but it does sound like we're Eternal is a great exclusive to kick off the year, even if it is from a second party perspective through Housemark, but it is being published by Sony, of course, so definitely one to keep your eye on. I'll be covering this game in March for sure, and March is looking to be a really good for games for me, guys, so not only are we getting Returnal and kind of Bridge of Spirits in March, which I'm really looking forward to, but we're also getting the Mass Effect Trilogy, most likely. It does seem confirmed now that the date for that is March 12th. If you count the Mass Effect Trilogy as three different games, which I do, that's five games in March alone that I'm really excited to play. So the YouTube channel and the podcast should have a lot of new coverage and content for these upcoming games starting in March, which is really exciting. So we just have to make it about two more months and we'll start getting a lot of good games. And I do think that 2021 is shaping up to be a great year for playing on both the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X, and maybe even Nintendo Switch if we can get that Zelda game out this year, but we'll just have to wait and see. Number six, we learned recently that there's a Resident Evil showcase coming this week, Thursday, January 21st to be exact, and GameInformer.com did report on the fact that Resident Evil 8 Village will be getting a new showcase event this week on January 21st. So in this event, we'll see the first real look at extended gameplay of Resident Evil 8 Village and additional news about the upcoming seemingly 2021 title for PS5, Xbox Series X, Xbox Series S, and PC. So I do also want to mention it doesn't seem like we know at this point in time if the game will be coming to last-gen consoles. At least I couldn't find anything. Let me just real quick see if we know if it's going to come to like PS4 and Xbox One. It probably won't be. So it sounds like they, in TGS, I remember in 2020, Capcom said it was looking into bringing Resident Evil Village to PS4 and Xbox One, but they said that it's being developed specifically for next-gen consoles and PC, but they're looking into it. So I don't think we've gotten official confirmation yet 
on if this game will also be a last gen game but we're just going to have to wait and see i personally hope it's only next gen so that it's designed specifically for that it doesn't hold it back in any way i mean i'm sure even if it did come to last gen consoles it wouldn't really change the end product too too much but i do just think that a game being only on next gen is just a bit more exciting like i know that i'm really excited for ratchet and clank rift apart because of that because it's not possible on last gen and it's only for next gen i just think it has kind of an exciting kind of ring to it for reasons i can't even really go into or describe but we'll just have to wait and see if this one's coming to last gen i'll be playing it on ps5 i'm a big resident evil fan and i like that it's taking the resident evil 7 continuity it's seeming to build off of that game and ethan winter's adventure in that game and his wife mia and it sounds like chris redfield will be making an appearance as well he was in the dlc in resident evil 7 if you guys will remember that so really really exciting for this one really excited to get new gameplay this week and just see what this game's all about and hopefully get a release date i'm hoping it comes this summer but maybe it's even sooner than that it does seem pretty cool that they're giving us a big blowout in january so i'm sure that next week we'll be reporting on everything that happened in this event and hopefully a final release date so that we know when we can get our hands on this one number seven we learned that hogwarts legacy has been delayed until 2022 so TechRadar.com reported that Avalanche Software and Portkey Games' action RPG Hogwarts Legacy was delayed to 2022, and we learned that they're working on making the best possible experience they can. The game will be set in the 1800s at Hogwarts over a century before Harry Potter was there, which I think is great personally to get a different perspective without Harry for a change. It seems like everything Harry Potter related is about Harry, obviously. I, sh I should rephrase that and say everything Hogwarts related seems to be about Harry before this. So I think it's cool that we're getting a game that's set 100 years before Harry Potter was even at Hogwarts just to get a different perspective. I think that's probably the most exciting thing about the game to me, and I think it was a great decision that they made this type of game where you, seemingly you can make your own character in this action RPG that's not Harry Potter. I just think it was a good design choice from Avalanche and Porky. And I should mention Porky Games is a subsidiary of Warner Bros. Interactive Entertainment. So I do think it was great personally that this was delayed. I'm not in any rush to play this one. Unless I'm super excited about a game, I normally don't play it until later anyways. And this is a game that I'm looking forward to, but I'm not super eager to play on day one or anything like that. So I think it's great that they delayed it to 2022. Give it some more time. Give it some more time in the oven during the pandemic. Give it some time to make it polished and just finish it the right way. And I do think we're going to be seeing a lot more delays after the fiasco that occurred with Cyberpunk 2077. I think developers for other studios are going to learn from that and not rush games anymore and just take their time to make sure they're fully done before releasing them to avoid backlash and negative public criticism and everything like that. So I think this was a really smart decision to delay this one and I don't think too many people were disappointed by this either I know initially they said 2021 but it was such a fresh new announcement at the end of 2020 that I don't think people were really banking on it 100% to come this year anyways since it was such a new announcement we haven't seen too too much besides kind of a cinematic trailer for it that did look amazing by the way I recommend you guys check it out if you haven't seen it already it did make me pretty excited for this game and it is definitely ambitious I think that making a Hogwarts action RPG is no small task so I'd rather they just take their time and do it right which it sounds like they're doing and again when we get more updates on this one I'll be sure to fill you guys in in the coming months or year number eight Gotham Knights has been optimized for co-op play 
So according to GameInformer.com, after information was relayed from an interview with GameSpot, we learned that Gotham Knights' executive producer Floor Marty and creative director Patrick Redding have stated that developer WB Montreal's mission in Gotham Knights is to create a seamless, engaging two-player co-op experience while staying true to the Arkham series and gameplay. So I do think there's probably going to be a single player option here, but I don't think there's been official confirmation. But even if there is single player option, we learned that it really is designed for co-op, which is interesting. So I think it's kind of weird that they're going for more of a two-player co-op vibe in this one. I never played Arkham Origins, which was their first Arkham game. I only ever played the Rocksteady ones, which I really did enjoy. But just to reiterate, in this new Gotham Knights title, which is supposed to come this year at some point in 2021, we can play as Robin, Batgirl, Nightwing, and Red Hood are the playable characters. I know people did like Arkham Origins, and I personally loved the Rocksteady trilogy. I especially loved Arkham Asylum, the first game, but I've heard good things about Origins. It does sound like WB Montreal knows what they're doing as a developer, and I don't know if they've ever made a game that was co-op based, so we're just going to have to wait and see how this one turns out. I'm excited to see more of this game. I want to maybe dig up some gameplay and just form an opinion on this. I haven't watched much of it yet. I don't even know how much is out there. There really so maybe i'll go back and dig into this a bit and see how this game's looking from my perspective so again gotham knights optimized for two-player co-op definitely something i wasn't expecting with this one but something to keep our eye on nonetheless number nine and this is a little bit of a sad piece of news i know i mentioned at the top that a lot of this news was exciting and interesting but Number nine, unfortunately, is a little bit of a negative thing, but fortunately there is a little bit of a silver lining to this that I'll get into. So number nine is that Killzone.com has been shut down. So website Push Square reports that Guerrilla Games has officially retired the official Killzone website and there's now been a redirect from the Killzone site to PlayStation.com instead. We also learned that while multiplayer modes, player statistics, and ranks for both Killzone Shadowfall on PS4 and Killzone Mercenary on PS Vita will remain, you can no longer create or manage clans in Killzone Shadowfall. So Gorilla did thank all of Killzone's many fans for their years of enthusiasm and support for the franchise. So while they didn't come out and say that Killzone is dead, I do think that this this is sad news and pretty ominous news and it does sound like based on the fact that the website's been shut down it does sound like the series will at least be taking a hiatus for a while personally i would i wouldn't expect another killzone game anytime soon i'm a little bit saddened by this just before we get into where things get a bit more interesting i do want to mention that this was sad while i'm not a major killzone fan or like a mega fan of killzone i really did like the series i thought shadowfall on ps4 was a really fun launch game and had some great shooting gameplay but i especially loved Killzone 2 on the PS3. I remember being absolutely blown away by that game. Killzone 2 came out in 2009 when I was only 14 and I hadn't played a lot of FPS games up until that point besides like Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, and Modern Warfare 2. So whenever I got to Killzone 2, the visuals and the gameplay and just the red glaring eyes of the Hellgas soldiers really really impressed me. I remember Killzone 2 had some incredible shooting mechanics and weapons. I remember there just being a crazy flamethrower near the end portion of that game that blew my mind and was something I hadn't seen in a shooter before to that level and there were like electric shock weapons just really cool weapons in that game so whenever I think back to memories like that regarding Killzone I do get a little bit sad I would have had liked to see this the series return to 
its Killzone 2 roots and do something along those lines. But again, it doesn't seem like we're going to be getting a Killzone game anytime soon based on this sad news. The silver lining to all this and where things get a little bit interesting is in the fact that Gorilla did hire some people from the Rainbow Six team at Ubisoft. So maybe they have a different shooter in the works, something more squad based. I've seen rumors been floating around that maybe Gorilla's separate team is working on SOCOM. And of course, Gorilla is hard at work right now on Horizon Forbidden West, which is set to launch this year. But maybe we'll get a SOCOM game from Gorilla or a different shooter. I don't know why they exactly decided to shut Killzone down if they did in fact decide to shut it down, which is what it sounds like. Maybe it wasn't selling the best they thought it could. Maybe they didn't think there was much of a market for it anymore. We could still get a Resistance game or a Resistance collection, which is great because I do think that Resistance is a series that people did enjoy, myself included. I did love the Resistance games on PS3. I do think that that's a series that could definitely live again especially with Insomniac's just crazy resurgence lately with not only the Spider-Man games, but also the upcoming Ratchet Rift Apart. Resistance has a lot of potential and is a very exciting shooting series that I would love to see on PS5. And I do think it would be smart of them to release a collection first, maybe like a 4K or 1440p 60fps Resistance Trilogy collection on PS5 just to test the waters. And then maybe decide from there if they want to do a proper Resistance 4, which I think at that point, if they did release the collection, they would do a Resistance 4. I think the collection would sell really, really well. I think that PlayStation needs a solid first person shooter so while Killzone does seem to be dead at least for the time being I do think that Resistance definitely has glimmer of hope. I know Insomniac has tweeted pictures of Resistance a lot which is interesting and they're kind of teasing Resistance on their Twitter page a lot which could just be all in good fun but personally I think there's more to it and while I don't think Insomniac would necessarily be working on a Resistance collection I think they might over at Sony have contracted that out to someone else. I do have hopes that we will see a Resistance collection on PS5. I hope it's announced this year. I think that would be a great shooting experience to get into for players on the new console. But guys, that is it this week for episode 30. Thanks so much again for stopping by and for making it with me to 30 episodes. Really, really exciting. And I'm glad at this point that I'm giving you guys some more content in the YouTube channel. Hopefully you're enjoying it in addition to the podcast episodes. It does take up some more of my time, but I really do have a passion for making this content and making these episodes and these videos and just chatting games with you guys. And again, remember to please leave kind reviews on podcast services. And you can also support the show for just $1 a month for early and ad-free access to every episode of the Sunset Single Player. But until next time, guys, just remember to check out the YouTube channel, which I linked in the description of the episode today. I also linked the Game Room Where It Happens podcast episode where I was a guest recently if you want to check it out with Eric the Almighty and Phil the Filipino. But besides that, until next time guys, keep your eye on the YouTube channel. Got some more video ideas coming soon and I'll chat with you guys next week for episode 31 of the Sunset Single Player podcast. Thanks so much for stopping by guys and take care.